Hello and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bibber, NFL editor for SB Nation. With me, as always, are Stephen White and Danny Kelly, the brains, the true football brains behind this operation. <laughs> so how are you guys doing today? Doing well, doing well. Excellent. Great. Excellent. We both had some interesting stuff go up this week. I thought uh, Danny's piece on David Johnson, the uh, little-known until yesterday at least, little-known Arizona Cardinals offensive weapon type player, kind of yeah. do-it-all jack, uh, jack knife, Swiss Army knife jack of all trades. I got my knife <laughs> metaphors mixed up there. We're rolling right along. Yeah, and he, then Stevens an breakdown guy. today on the Titans. But good stuff, guys. It was I really enjoyed it. What did you? I mean, you watched the film on David Johnson. What did you pick up about him and the Cardinals' offense, Danny? So when, before the draft, uh, he was definitely on my radar because you know at field goals we do a lot of stuff with like athleticism metric, we did the spark rating for Nike mm-hmm. and all that. And so he was like one of the outstanding guys in that. Like he just blew away um, a lot of the running back class because of his like he ran like a four or five had like a forty one and a half inch vert. Really, really good three count. So his athleticism was off the charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember watching him play, and I was just like, "Well, he'll probably be a good like receiver, like out of backfield um, in the NFL." But I just didn't know. Like, he he just looks a little stiff running, like a little upright. Um, so I definitely like missed on that. Like, he's looked way better than I even thought he would. And um, you know, he moves his feet really well. He he does like choppy, real choppy steps, like going through traffic. You know, he's got good vision. Um, and then obviously he can just like blow away from dudes just it. And, and that was like my uh, just overall takeaway is he was just destroying pursuit angles. Um, anytime that he got the football, um, you could see the like, defenders like trying to take a route to him and he would just like, they would always invariably end up like taking a terrible angle at him. Yeah. Uh, so, but they, they use him in a lot of ways he's primarily kind of like a receiving back out of their, um, in their offense. Um, you know, running like wheel routes and little arc, arc routes up the seam. Um, and just kind of like when you get matched up with the linebacker, that's like a really good mismatch for him. So that's been kind of what they've been doing. Um, a little bit like kind of like a Marcel Reese style. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's a he, he's a really natural receiver, good hands. So he actually has six touchdowns already this year, which is tied for second in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And he... he missed one ball on like a little whip route on the one yard line where it like just bounced off his hands like he would have had seven so um i mean the dude is just he's been really good and in their offense and the way they've used him in limited you know fashion i think he only has like he's being he's he's his use has been limited but he still has six six touchdowns so he's making the most of his opportunities but um but yeah he's he's kind of like a perfect fit for that offense and what they want to do and in the run pass like um you know, combination, and he's also been used as like a goal line short yardage back type too. So mm-hmm. uh, he, he's an interesting player for sure. What stands out to you about like is that offense? Like what what makes that offense so good? I mean, they're like the highest powered offense in the NFL. I mean, I know the Patriots don't they have had an early buy, so you don't have right a perfect one to one comparison because they're really prolific right now. But it seems like the car. Everyone just say, "Well, it's." I mean, the easy answer is Carson Palmer looks a lot better. But I mean, it seems like it's more than just Carson Palmer. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, that 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 obviously is the big thing is having a quarterback that can run that system. But I just, it's a lot of downfield attacks. I think, you know, they throw the ball deep to Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Floyd, John Brown. They also have a better run game this year. I think they're actually leading the NFL in rushing right now, which is crazy because last year they were dead last in yards per carry. Um, you know, with Chris Johnson, Andre Ellington, David Johnson, they, they kind of have mixed that up and their run game is a lot better this year as well. So they're more balanced. Um, but basically, yeah, it's just pushing the ball downfield. Bruce Arians has a, you know, he's always had a really good offense, um, going back, you know, his last couple teams and, you know, the tools that they have in that offense are really good. Obviously Larry Fitzgerald is kind of having a renaissance a year, mm-hmm. uh, and you know they've got some good good weapons on offense so it's uh yeah they're just they're throwing it all over the yard they're you know explosive and and i think you know i I don't i didn't study the whole offense real real closely this week but i think they're they're really good at you know exploiting mismatches and kind of making scheming their guys open using some creative schemes so it's a really interesting offense 
Well, and they have an interesting game this week. They're going back to Pittsburgh. I think that should be... I know Pittsburgh's a little weakened right now because they don't have Roethlisberger in the lineup, and you see some of the limitations with that. But uh, I I still think it's always a good matchup, especially they're playing in Pittsburgh, which is, you know, always, uh, you know, that's one of those teams that always gets a little bit of an edge from their home crowd. Or maybe even the San Diego crowd, as apparently was the case last week. But, uh... Uh, Steve, I'm going to flip it over to you. I, I want uh, this Titans piece you ran today is really fascinating because it takes this kind of debacle on third and 23 late in the game, and here the Titans are with this lead. You know, as improbable as it seems, they're about to beat the Bills. They could do this, and then they get a third and 23. Which I mean, I think your chances of as an offense to convert a third and 23 are slim to none. And sure as shit, they, uh, the, the Bills did it, and, and they did it more so with a lot of help from the Titans. Tell us what you saw on that play. Yeah, let me, let me add one detail to that to, to really just top it yeah. off. The, <laughs> the Bills were backed up, like, to their own seven-yard line, okay? It's third and 23 because Central Henderson uh, gets a holding penalty and then, uh, I, I believe, a false start back-to-back. And, and and most of the time, third and twenty three is just a give up play. You know, they run a uh, uh, a draw or something like that, or you know, or dump yeah. it off to a back. And I think the Bills probably were considering doing something like that. It's just the Tennessee Titans decided, well, you know what, we're going to actually make this pretty damn easy for you <laughs> to get if you do the only thing that's worked all day and that's run with your quarterback. Then hell, go ahead and get this third and twenty-three. I mean, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. The drive preceding this one, and I talk about this all in the column. They they scored a touchdown. The Bills scored a touchdown. You know, it's a low-scoring game, and 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 uh, there was you know, I believe it was thirteen and seven at that point uh, after they scored their touchdown. You want to know how they scored a touchdown? Because <clears throat> Tyrod Taylor ran for twenty five yards or 22 yards on a play and then ran for another 25 yards for a touchdown. Okay. He literally was the only thing the bills had cooking all day. Sammy Watkins didn't play. Uh, I don't believe, um, uh, 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 Percy Harvin had a catch. Their leading receiver was Chris Hogan. Okay. <laughs> and, 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 and if you don't do what we do, if you're not a football analyst, you're probably like Chris who? <laughs> you know, like seriously, Chris fucking Hogan is your leading receiver on the day. Uh, the, the tight end Charles play had one, I think one, maybe two catches on the day. I know because he was on my fantasy team and he didn't do shit. Okay. The only guy with any chance is Tyrod Taylor. And so what do the Chinese do? They line up, first of all, man to man across. And, and playing man to man against a mobile quarterback is always tricky, right? Because you don't have eyes on the quarterback a lot of time. And so you take off and, and, and you're trailing the receiver, and next thing you look up and, and the quarterback's running. But, but hey, okay, that's fine. It, surely a quarterback is not going to scramble for 23 yards just because you're playing man-to-man. Well, they will if you remove literally everybody from the middle of the field. <laughs> literally everybody from the middle of the field. Okay, your linebacker, you got basically two linebackers or a linebacker in the and a, a, a nickelback, maybe I couldn't be sure. But you take your linebacker, take him out the box, line him up on the end of the line on the left-hand side as the defense looks at it, and your nickelback is lined up outside of the box over uh, one of the, the three wide receivers to, to the right side. And here's the thing. There's nobody in the middle. There's a, a safety kind of walk down, but he's going to bail out of there on the snap. There's nobody in the middle, and it's not even an empty set. Okay, they got a running back in the backfield, and literally as Tyrod Taylor is looking, there's nobody right in front of him except for the defensive line. But they're not done, okay? They still <laughs> didn't make it quite easy enough for Tyrod Taylor to run 23 fucking yards on third and 23, well, 24 yards on third and 23 at the end of the game where they basically already have won, okay? Now they take Jarrell Casey, who's two Tyrod Taylor's throwing hand, before the snap, and have him loop away from Tyrod Ty Taylor's uh, throwing hand on the snap. Not only was that the wrong thing to do because Tyrod Taylor is uh, a good runner, it's also the wrong thing to do because, you, because of the way protections are set up. 
Okay, football one on one when it comes to a pass rusher, if it's shotgun and they have one running back and he's offset, the center slides away from the back almost all of the time. So if you know that the center is going to slide away, then Jarrell Casey is supposed to stay on his side. The other defensive tackle is supposed to loop around. So they ran the fucking game wrong <laughs> on top of the fact that it makes no fucking sense for Jarrell Casey, pretty much the best defensive player for the Titans, to be running away from Tyrod Taylor's throwing hand. So now you got a fucking B-gap big enough for me to run through. And the next thing you know, Tyrod Taylor is 24 yards down the field. And oh, by the way, again, they're not done. They also get a fucking horse collar uh, tackle on him because <laughs> it's so shitty that they still couldn't even get a red tackle on the guy 24 fucking yards later. So you yeah, 54 yards. They go down, score a touchdown. What's the final score, kids? 14 to 13. You got to be fucking kidding me. Unbelievable. <laughs> and there's nobody. And that's Taylor led. Like Taylor was the offense that day. Like he said, I was just looking at the box score. And Taylor led everybody in receiving yards, rushing yards, whatever. He had more. He had 76 rushing yards on eight carries. Leading rusher, way more than any receiver on the field for the Bills that day. I mean, the Titans had him boxed up all day. And he gets almost successively, he gets three runs over 20 yards, which account for, you know, 80-plus percent of his yardage on the day. It's just at incredible. The the <laughs> at the end of the game. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah. At the end of the game. I, <laughs> it's never a good time to have a really fucked up play, but it's always worse when, it, when it's at the end of the fourth quarter, man. It's just, you know, I, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nobody. I mean, once Casey pulls out of the B-gap, there's nobody back there. The next guy back there is a safety, and he's bailed out way down the field. He's playing man-to-man somewhere way down. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean you can seriously. see it on your image here. You stuck in there. I mean, he's almost at the 30-yard line by the time Taylor's past the line of scrimmage. <laughs> I mean, he, couldn't, he probably thought to himself, there's no way that they're this fucking foolish. I'm sure he's thinking before the snap, okay, quit, you know, once I snap this football, everybody's going to jump inside and I'm not going to have anywhere to run. I don't think he could believe it when he saw all that green grass because he hesitated. He hesitated yeah. for no good reason. There was nobody to throw the football to. But if you just look at him, it's like, it's almost like he's telling us, I can't believe they're this fucking stupid. I really can't. But I'm going to go ahead and run anyway. And you know what's crazy about that is now the, Titan, the Titans lose that game. They're one and three. So... The only t- all three of the four teams in the AFC South are one and three, or one and four and one and three, because the Titans had a bye week. And it's just, you know, here you could have you could have been one game behind the Colts, or thereabouts, you know, because of the bye week. But uh, you know, you just you just don't screw up, and you you win that game, and then. You've got a chance to, you know, you, you're in the race. And now it's just, you know, now, I mean, I don't know, maybe the Colts, the Colts being the Colts, anything could happen, I guess. But it's just, you know, you just, you essentially just kind of handed that division to them a little bit last week. It's if you look crazy. at it a different way, if you look at it a different way, they should have beaten the Colts. You know, they had the shitty two-point yeah. play that I wrote up about. They should have won this game. They really should be in the, in the driver's seat for that division right yeah. now. Three and one. After by <laughs> Ricky, Ricky, number two pick quarterback, everything's floating along. It, it's just, it's crazy how close they are to being three and one, but instead uh, they're one and three. Yeah, that's two, their last two games. I mean, they lost this one by one point, and they lost that Colts game in week three by two points, which you're talking about the, 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 three, the stupid-ass three-point play they ran at the end of that one in week three. It's just incredible. And, like, here you are, three points – has kept you from three and two versus one and one and three. It's just amazing, or two and two, I guess. Rather, I'm not. They have four games, not five. So these bye weeks, man. These bye weeks always throw me off a little bit. I, it, but it's bye week time of the year on the schedule, so you just got to be prepared for it and roll with it. But here we are, the Titans. And you know what? This is like the team that brought in, Ray Horton's the defensive coordinator. They brought in Dick LeBeau this year. I mean, this was supposed to be. You know a much better a much better defense <laughs> it's in in twenty fifteen and here they are man woof <laughs> that's but it's like you said that's why bad teams stay bad 
Um, all right. So <laughs> we've got a Thursday night game tonight. And on paper, it doesn't look too bad. It's the Falcons <clears throat> and the Saints. Um, I don't know. What are the Falcons? Probably an 85-point favorite or so in that one. I, I, it seems like. <laughs> they're only favored by three and a half on the one I'm looking at right now. And that's believable. Well, I mean, they're in New Orleans, but at the same yeah. time, in Julio Jones is going to be played. And then Dan Quinn said today he's not going to be on a quote unquote pitch count or anything like that. It's that yeah. time of year where we've got to deal with baseball metaphors in our <laughs> football here. We've got peanut butter in our chocolate. Are all the Thursday night games going forward division games? Is that how they do it? I think I think so because I think yeah. That was maybe part of the plan to make the games a little bit better. Right, right. So I'm sure everyone's circling that Titans-Jags on the calendar right now. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. No, that game last week was a bad game until, like, the very end, the the Texans. That game was wild. The, uh, like, the throw up the ball in the end zone thing and... Yeah, what a weird one, huh? <laughs> it was fun. We've had some weird primetime endings. That you go the Monday night with the pits with the Steelers getting that win. I mean, that was a pretty great game. Batgate with the Seahawks and the Lions. Batgate in the same haunted end zone as before. Fail Mary end zone. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're all division games. No, you gotta go uh I, I don't know which week it is, but December seventeenth, you get a non division is your first Oh, okay, so it's not necessarily December tenth non division game. You get the Cardinals and the Vikings. Oh, okay. So, um, oh yeah, it's pretty crazy to think the Falcons could be six and zero. I really should be six and zero if this game <laughs> goes kind of the way it should. Yeah, I mean, who guess who would have guessed that? I I kind of thought they'd be better than last year. You know, just based on you know they have talent and Dan Quinn could probably infuse some energy in there and everything. But man. Six and zero. That's pretty insane. They're uh, almost. I mean, the I don't know what their percentage wise, what the, their chances of making the playoffs at this point is, but they're pretty much locks at this point, right? Um. Yeah. I, I mean, they're like ninety three percent. They're in really good shape. I think Football Outsiders has it at like over seventy five percent to win the division, even. Yeah. So they could have a home game. <laughs> I mean, that's just crazy. After not even. I mean, that's what that's beauty. Yeah, and then you got the Panthers, and and the, it's an interesting situation because the Falcons' schedule is not is you know because of the way you know their record last season versus the Panthers, where they finished last season. But so the Panthers have a much tougher schedule, which you see this week. They're going to Seattle, another mm-hmm. undefeated team, and now they're going to go to Seattle. That's going to be a tough game for the Panthers to win. But you never know either. I saw I saw a thing yesterday. Um, I think it's. I think it was Football Outsiders has the Falcons with the easiest remaining schedule of anyone in the NFL. They just got lucky or whatever, I guess. And based on, like you said, based on where they finished last year, so they they get what were they second or third place? They get all that. Yeah. Um, you know, based on all their. The well, their next four that. games, including tonight, Saints, Titans. Those are road games. Buccaneers at home in Atlanta. And then they're in San Francisco on, in week nine, and then they get a bye week. That's not a bad little schedule. And San Francisco is still winnable. I mean, they're playing better, but, man, they could be 10-0. <laughs> and, that, and, and really, that's an indictment on the NFC South, too, when you think about it. Yeah. Because you're in the NFC South with another undefeated team in the, in the Panthers, and yet they're still saying that you're going to have the weakest schedule for yeah. the rest of the way. So what does that tell you? I mean, that's pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. And they don't play the Panthers until December. I mean, both their games against the Panthers this year are in December. <laughs> Almost back to oh, back. Really? It's crazy. Week 14 and week 16. Yeah. That, yeah, that week 13 crazy. in Carolina and week 16 at home in Atlanta. No, so. week 14. I think week 14 week 16. It's yeah. like a week, you know. So, that, I mean, I, is that even normal? <laughs> play, play your division opponent to, like – Almost back-to-back like that? It, you know, it seems like this year's schedule's kind of been front-loaded with division games. I mean, I know they usually pepper them throughout the year, but it really does seem like this has been more... There's been a lot of division games up front, because I was looking at it, 
at the end of the day last Sunday and like just looking at the standings, well, the Bengals have already played half their division games for the season because hmm. they're 3-0 and in the division, 3-0 and in the AFC North, and they've only got three more division games to go for the rest of the season. Hmm. Yeah. Which is so kind of wild. Yeah. Colts, too. Ooh. Colts are 3-0 and in the division. Wait, am I looking at it right? Yeah, no, no I'm, I'm wrong. That's a three and home schedule for the Bengals. But the the Colts have done are three and in the division, right. which is kind of Absolutely. funny because there you go. That's that division where it could have just been wide open this year. It should be wide open, and then and then the other three teams have only played one division game. Yeah, it's kind I mean, of it was wide open for a week. <laughs> <laughs> for, for for two weeks, I should say. Yeah. Two weeks of the season is wide open, and now that door has shut. Yep. Amazing. But uh, you never know. If they keep playing like the way they were playing to start the season, and then they have that game this week. And, I, you know, this is one of those games that always gets hyped in August, and then by the time the actual game itself rolls around, the circumstances have changed since then, as they are wont to do in the NFL. So this week the Colts have the Patriots in Indianapolis. Well, that should be a fun one. <laughs> you know, in, in theory, in theory, you would say to yourself, okay, uh, they kind of bounced back with House of Duck last year. So you, you get Andrew Luck back going. Maybe now the offense takes off. Maybe he actually, you know, in addition to healing up his shoulder, he actually, you know, caught on to some things he wasn't doing well by watching House <laughs> Duck yeah. get the ball off his hands quickly. But you never know. You know what I'm saying? Like, this could be. Uh, a, 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 a jumping off point for them to kind of get back to what we thought they were going to be when the season started and change the whole perception of everything. But man, the, the Patriots are just, they are like the, the worst team on earth right now to try to make a statement against. They're just rolling. And yeah. so, you know, I think that, I think there's a good chance that this game is better than we think it's going to be. Like, we'll see the coach offense kind of get back on track with Andrew Luck. But it just won't be enough, man. I, I just, you know, I, the only thing I can see that would derail this this Patriots offense this year is probably going to be, you know, if Brady or Gronkowski get hurt. Yeah. I mean, because they're just doing everything so well. I mean, they're first in scoring and passing game. Their offense first in passing, first in yards. They've only played four games. I mean, you know, they're some of the teams that have five games already under their belt. They're running the ball yeah. really well. I mean, it's just – you know, this could be one of those games where, you know, Brady might pass for 400 yards or, you know, they run the ball 40 times for 300 yards. Yeah, neither yep. would surprise me. Yeah, it, it's just, it's crazy. That's a juggernaut. I mean, and right now it's kind of funny because it's like right now you've got the Packers and the Patriots who just look like they're heads and shoulders above the rest of the league and then i guess you probably would put the Bengals and the cardinals in kind of that second tier there yeah that's that's pretty much what i would do and the Bengals might be you know had the Bengals not had history their history own history working against them you know a lot of people would probably be you know considering them in that conversation more too but right cough andy dalton (laughs) (laughs) let's be real now let's be real Yeah, well, it's not exactly Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Right, if we were sure that we were going to get this Andy Dalton for the rest of the season, they would be definitely in that group. I don't think there's any question. Yeah. Uh, To to the end of that game uh, against the Seahawks, and look, you know, (laughs) I'm not quite sure how Zach Ertz uh, kept, uh, not Zach Ertz, um, Tyler, I think it's Tyler Eifert, Mm -hmm. getting wide open uh, down the field on the Seahawks, but there's been times when we wouldn't expect Andy Dalton to see that and, and make that easy touchdown. And he is. He's doing pretty much everything right now. And so, uh, again, it's hard to trust because we, 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 we've been down this road before. You know, we're kind of like the scoring lover. We, we, <laughs> you, you got us to trust you again, and then you threw interceptions, Andy Dalton. We, don't, we, we can't go back to you. But I, I'm saying, man, I, look, I keep waiting every week to turn on the film and be like, okay, look, you know, it kind of looks like Andy, the bad Andy is about to come out again. And I haven't seen it, man. I, you know, I, I'm as cautious as anybody about the Bengals, but if he keeps playing this way, they're going to be tough to beat. 
Yeah, and he's really good. And and you know, to the not just to oversell Andy, but I mean, like that offensive line's been playing out of its mind too. I mean, they're doing some really good work up front right there. I mean, he's only been sacked six times this season. Yeah, he and that was four of them were versus the Seahawks. So before that, yeah, it was uh, they you know really done a good job, but for whatever reason, the Seahawks kind of got up. Had the and, number on that one. And but. only two interceptions so far. I mean, yep. that's yeah, where you really you look at that number and be like, whoa, because that's pretty amazing that uh, he's two interceptions. But, like, you know, it, it, you got to uh, you get to January before you can kind of sell your stock in Andy Dalton. Yeah, because right now all I'm thinking is he's due. <laughs> yeah. Every time I look at the fact that he only has two interceptions, I'm like, yep, he's due. <laughs> uh, now, if it gets to be December and it's still a low number, then I'm be like, you know, I'm going to try to tip my door in, toe in the water maybe and, 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 and get on that hype train. But for right now, I'm just thinking he's due. Well, he's got a he's tough game this week with the Bills. I mean, I, I think, you know, the Bengals obviously are getting a hand in the fact that Tyrod Taylor might not play or probably won't play in all likelihood the way kind of the latest reports are, but you never know with KG Rex Ryan on the injury yeah. report, but uh, <laughs> you know, it, all indications are that EJ Manuel will be under center for the bills this week. So I mean, that yeah. definitely helps the Bengals, but you know, or yeah, it helps the Bengals, but it doesn't help the Bengals offense going against that defense. That's going to be a pretty tough game for them. Should be at any rate. I think that, uh, EJ Manuel looked pretty good during the preseason, right? There was a uh, some talk that it was like a controversy that Tyrod Taylor was the starter. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how he plays in the regular season. Oh no, yeah. there was no controversy. <laughs> <laughs> there was some controversy as to who the backup was, and then there was a little bit of controversy when they shook uh, Castle out of there and kept EJ. Well, I don't think I think there would have been a much bigger controversy. Tyrod, was Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't okay. starting because he, he was head and shoulders above. I think most people were just surprised at how well EJ played as well because, I mean, his stats were crazy yeah. for the preseason. Like, yeah. seriously, like he, his uh, his rating, his his numbers, I, I'm not sure. I don't think he threw an interception. And there was this one game where he threw like two or three long touchdowns. So, but you got to ask yourself, is that a function of him playing against vanilla defenses or you know has he actually improved to me actually watching the film back then which you know we didn't have all 22 but you can watch uh rewatch the uh tv copy mm-hmm. it was a little bit of both he definitely has improved but you still saw some of the old ej as well you know skipping balls and you know making poor decisions necessarily yeah uh, even in the games where he played pretty well at other times you can see him kind of reverting and so uh to me I think this definitely favors the uh, Bengals. However, and this is uh, kind of a point um, I was making somebody, to somebody else earlier today, the reason why we're so skeptical about Andy Dalton is because Andy Dalton never has, like, me- mediocre days. He either mm-hmm. is pretty <laughs> right. damn good or he is fucking awful. Yeah. To the point where you just can't win when he's playing like that. Like, he'll find a way to blow the fucking game when he's playing bad. And, and you really never see him play well, play well, play well, and then fuck it up at the end. Yeah. You, you know, when he messes up, he's messing up <laughs> damn near from the <laughs> opening kickoff, right? And so you look at it and you say, EJ's starting, uh, so that's your favorite of Bengals. But like I said, if bad Dalton shows up, it won't matter. It won't really matter. The Bengals just won't be able to win when when bad Andy shows up. We haven't seen him this year. Yeah. Maybe he won't show up. Maybe he's exercised all those demons. They say, you know, something kind of went off on in, in his head when he got booed this offseason at a celebrity uh, softball game or a charity softball game or whatever. Yeah. So maybe he's gotten over that hurdle. You just never know. But if bad Andy were to show up this week, and look, we know these Bills are probably going to get off the bus blissing them. If he fucks up this week, they won't have a shot. If he plays, if he doesn't play bad, he's going to be fine. And I don't think the Bills have much of a chance, really, even if Tyrod Taylor plays. Because yeah. if he plays, 
it's after he hurt his knee on that on that um the horse collar play. Yeah. So he's not gonna be able to use his legs. And I don't think anybody's gonna be, you know, that stupid to to, you know, allow him to sit in the pocket when he's hobbled and can't really move around. Yeah. Especially not the Bengals. Yeah, and then the Bills might not have. I mean, you know, it doesn't sound like Shady's going to play this week. Uh, Booby Dixon was banged up at the beginning of the week. I don't know if he'll play or not. You know, if you don't have Dixon or McCoy in there, I mean, your running game's suddenly kind of limited, too. Now, Sammy Watkins probably going to play, but I don't know about, you know, Percy Harvin. He'll play, I guess, but it's sort of, you know, it's a limited group on offense, at least. Now, defense is going to be healthy, and that's going to be, I mean, I think that'll be, the more interesting matchup anyway, because like you said, now this is, you know, we got two weeks in a row where Andy Dalton's had a tough defense in his face. How does he respond to that? i tell you an interesting story because Thomas wrote that piece this week. Um, you know, he was in Cincinnati for that game and was talking to Hugh Jackson. Was, you know, I, I guess in the offseason, Hugh Jackson kind of came up to him. Not confronted him is the wrong word because it makes it sound like, you know, there was a problem or something like that. But just like kind of had a, a, you know, an honest talk that like, hey, Listen, you know, when the season's going on, you've uh you know, you're the quarterback, you're expected to you know, you can't just leave and go home at the end of the day when practice is over. I mean, you're kind of expected to be and, and again, this is, you know, how much does this really account to the field or not? I don't know, but you know, this rev this talk that, you know, you've got to put a little more time. You got to you know, sit in the film room with these your offensive linemen, take them out for dinner once in a while. And it's like, you know, your family time's important. We're not saying that, but, you know, you, you got to be able to do this during the season too. You got to sacrifice a little bit, um, you know, you know, for your team here too. So, well, you know, what difference has that made? I don't know. I mean, you know, that's just kind of one of those ephemeral things, but I thought it was an interesting anecdote nonetheless. So. And that, yeah, the, the, the rejuvenation uh, of Andy Dalton. I talked to a beat reporter guy for or a radio guy from Cincinnati last week, and I think people are still pretty cynical about having it last. Obviously, they're enjoying the ride right now, but I mean, like Stephen like said, it's yeah, fool me once, you know, shame on me, or shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. So it's kind of like I think they're waiting for the other shoe to drop a little bit, but yeah, the way he's playing, I don't know, he it, it, he might have actually you know gotten over that, you know proverbial hump or whatever so it'll that he, he's a uh, you know been one of the big stories of the season so far yeah so. Uh, we'll see we will see what happens oh here's here's a barn burner on the undercard for you guys that's probably not getting a lot of attention uh this week <laughs> but the uh the bears and lions <laughs> barn burner is jim caldwell going to get fired before the end of the season oof the way they go, the way the way it's going, probably yeah. They don't have well, their bye until week nine. We're, we were actually about to to discuss this a little bit, yeah. uh, on our back and forth. I, I I I don't see a way he can keep his job if it keeps going this way. And and I say that because look, you won't find a bigger Rod Marinelli supporter than me, right? Like. Uh, if, to say I'm his biggest fan or one of his biggest fans does not do it justice. But once you lost all those games in Detroit, even though it's Detroit and, you know, it's not like he had a, a ton of talent to work with, they had to let him go. Yeah. And you're talking about a team that is immeasurably more talent, talented now yeah. than what Rod Marinelli had, and they haven't won a game still. Yeah. Like, Dude, seriously? I mean, and, <laughs> and you had to bench your hundred million dollar quarterback last week for Dan Orlovsky. Orlovsky. Yeah. I, I, I mean, seriously, you had to you had to bench him, and and basically you had to do it early. It's not like you did this the last few drives of the no. game. That's how bad. And, and, and you know. Caldwell was supposed to be the guy to come in and fix that guy. Yeah, and I was just going to say that was his whole selling point, was that he went in and convinced the top brass there that I know what Matthew Stafford needs. I'm going to turn Matthew Stafford into a top-ten quarterback of the NFL. 
he had a PowerPoint. Yeah. As I recall. As I recall. <laughs> he did. And he impressed them with that, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a difference if you're a defensive coach and you just can't figure it out. Maybe they figure, look, he just needs to get another OC and the defense is playing. No. He is the offensive guy. He's supposed to be the quarterback guru. Has done some good things around the league in that capacity. Yeah. But when your $100 million quarterback has to sit, you know, basically around halftime, and your other, what, $60 million wide receiver can't seem to get any passes thrown his way, there's a huge fucking problem. And all fingers right now are going to be pointing at, 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 at uh, Coach Caldwell. It, it would take almost a re- miraculous turnaround in this season, to me, for them to keep him. Like, they, they would have to... Even after this start, they will still have to end up with a, a winning record. And I just don't see how they're going to do that. Yeah, and, and to hear the, the reports like you heard this week, too, you had the Cardinals players going on the radio saying, like, man, it sure felt like the, 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 that Lions team kind of quit before the game was over. And that's never a very good sign when you hear stuff like that. Yeah. When you, like, they, they talk about losing the team, kind of feels like that's what's going on right now in, in Detroit. Yeah, and that, oh. that was six turnovers in that game against the Cardinals. Yeesh. And now the Bears, now they're hosting the Bears this week, but that Bears team, I mean, you know, for not being very good, you know, from top to bottom of the roster, has won, you know, pulled off two kind of upset wins the last two weeks. Yep. And Cutler isn't throwing the ball all over the field. Yeah. As far as turning it over, their defense – as crazy as it sounds, it actually looks better now. Yeah. If they've gotten rid of, you know, uh, Jared Allen and a few other people, not saying that he was the problem per se, but for whatever reason, they, they've looked better on defense. They still not great, but definitely better. And so uh, they should get Alshon Jeffrey back soon. I'm not sure for this game or not. But um, some of these other guys, Marquise Wilson, and they had uh, uh, Jeremy Ross who did some things. Um, as a return man and also in the offense. Uh, and, of course, they got Matt Forte. That, mm-hmm. That's a team that you just don't know, you know, who's going to show up. They definitely, you're watching how they played against the Chiefs. I think that team, if they play that way, they'll definitely have a chance against the Lions, especially the Lions we've seen so far this season. Yeah. Yeah, and it might be, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Like I say, I, you know, I'm joking around about the undercard there, but uh, that's one of those games that could get kind of weird. They all, those kind of games always tend to get weird. So it's, it's one to keep an eye on, at least if you're going to watch Red Zone or something like that, because it's, <laughs> it's, probably not, it's probably not the one you want to sell your friends on unless you're Bears or Lions fans, I guess, but, or Bears fans <laughs> at any rate. But it's, that's probably not how you're going to get folks to bring over chips and dip and beer for the game this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Come over. Let's watch the 0-5 Lions. <laughs> Bring some dip, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of looking through the schedule here. There's some, You know, here's kind of another interesting game that maybe folks don't think is as interesting as it could be, but Broncos-Browns. Yeah, that is an interesting one. And the Browns' offense has been a little better than you realize, but that Broncos' yeah. defense has just been crazy. Crazy good. Garrett Barnich, the, uh, the the tight end for the Browns, mm-hmm. has been playing his ass off. He had one of the best catches. I don't know if it's the best, one of the wackiest catches yeah. you're ever going to see. The butt catch. Uh, this season <clears throat> for a touchdown. And, uh, well, it was butt, feet, legs, everything. <laughs> everything but the ground. They hit everything but the ground, it seemed. And I couldn't believe it. Like I was like, there's no way he caught that ball, but he did. And it was a touchdown in the fourth quarter to help them, you know, eventually win in overtime. So, uh, you know, you don't know that name per se, but he's been playing his ass off. Um, the receiver, uh, the, the guy who I profiled as a breakout player this year, uh, can't remember his name right now. Hawkins. But, uh, hmm? No, Travis no, Benjamin. Hawkins. Travis Benjamin. Travis Benjamin. Travis Benjamin yeah. has been playing his ass off. He now asked that deep threat, legitimate deep threat. Yeah. Uh, for that offense, and he's been doing some good things on, on returns. And so, you know, we know that their defense is supposed to be pretty good. Uh, I wouldn't say that they've actually played up to their potential right. so far this season, but they have, they definitely have the potential to be an outstanding defense. And so uh, you put all that together, man, and you just, you, know, it, it, you never know. Yeah. Because 
the reason why you never know is because, um, you know, Peyton Manning not necessarily looking like the Peyton Manning we, we're used to. That offense definitely not looking like the Denver offense we're used to seeing the last couple of years. And so the defense has kind of carried them so far this season. Um, and you just wonder, you know, maybe for once the defense just can't hold up long enough and, and they end up letting one slide, especially because you got to figure, you know, they won the last game basically on a pick six. This is the Browns. Everybody expects the Browns to be bad. It's a primary uh, situation. This is a prime situation for them to have a left letdown game. Yeah, when they don't have DeMar- oh, they're probably oh. gonna have Demarcus Ware this week either. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, he got hurt. I think I think I kind of jinxed him <laughs> without coming. <laughs> is Talib playing? Because I think so. I think okay. Talib, but uh, I, I think Demarcus Ware is still gonna be out with that back injury. But I literally said like he was my guy who, who I would pick for defensive MVP. But we know he's had these neck issues before. And, yeah. You know, it's lower this time, I guess, is back. I didn't even notice. I was watching the game. I didn't even notice when he got hurt at first. Um, but, man, you know, that would be a huge loss. They got the rookie Shane Ray, and I think he got his first sack last week. Um, but, you know, he's not DeMarcus. DeMarcus Ware is on another level right now. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, man, he people are having a tough time blocking that guy. And he's really getting off the ball. And so, you know, once again, that's another reason to think that while we kind of assume this won't be a game, it might actually be a good, good game. Yeah, because my thing is, is if Peyton Manning really struggles and, you know, you can't at least kind of keep that defense spelled so they don't have to play 35 to 40 minutes a game, you know, which they've at least been able to do with the offense, with Denver's offense, then, you know, you suddenly open it up for a little more twists and turns like that. And it's interesting too. The Browns two, the Browns won last week, but the two losses they had before that were both by less than a touchdown, or a touchdown or less. One was seven points, and one was three points. So that's you know, those are the kind of games that you know you really it's it's either way a bad bounce here, a bad bounce there kind of thing. Yeah, they've been in it. I think this is going to be a good game. Uh, it's crazy to think that the Broncos have like the worst offense in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, yeah. who would have guessed that before the season started? I mean, obviously there was concerns about Peyton's arm, but they're like, they can't run the ball, they can't throw it. <clears throat> they're literally, I think, if you look at the numbers, like the worst offense in the NFL. <laughs> it's though they didn't have any offensive touchdowns last week. I don't know. Did they? I don't. Did they have? Is that might have been two weeks in a row they haven't had any offensive touchdowns? Which, I mean, how? No, it's they had an offensive touchdown the week before that, but I mean. It's not very often you get a game without an offensive touchdown from a, a team with Peyton Manning at quarterback. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, but, uh, I mean, the Raiders gave them a run for their money. Yeah, and then the Raiders are a little better. I mean, I think the Raiders are better than people ex- some people yeah. expected them to be this year, too. They've got those kind of – they don't have a lot of the depth, but, you know, they've got top guys that keep – I mean, you think about it. They've got a quarterback, a number one wide receiver – and a top pass rusher. And that's really like, those are the three sort of like capstone franchise builder. You know what right. I mean? Those are the right. things, the guys you've got to get no matter what, if you're going to, if you're going to have a winning team, yeah. a consistently winning team. And they've got that. And that's pretty impressive. I guess if they just, you know, if they just had a, had a stadium that didn't have a baseball field in the middle of it, they'd be all set. <laughs> yeah. But who knows? I mean, you know, you can't move them too far. I guess if they move to L.A., maybe there's a P.F. Chang's down there where Mark Davis can hang out, <laughs> hit up the bartender for some afternoon conversation. Um, you know, here's a team that's kind of the Dolphins-Titans. Uh, yeah, I know. Just settle down, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I am kind of anxious to see if the Dolphins are any better. You know, usually when you fire a coach and you bring in an interim you usually get a little bit of a bump, at least a couple games, or at least one game. It seems have you like. guys have you seen a stat that supports like the or that like talks about how interim coaches have done? Nah, I, I haven't looked it up. I mean, it's usually just center of an anecdote. I mean, I don't know if right. it's true right. across the no, board. It, but. That, that's the way. That's generally how we think about these things, though. Like you know, whether it works long term or not, usually it's that little bump, at least that first week following. Yeah, uh, change where. You know, everybody kind of buys into it. Like, look, he right. changed everything. Uh, <laughs> so you, I, I just don't see it, man. I, I really don't. Uh, you know, and, and call me cynical, call me what you want to. But as soon as uh, I saw 
the tweet saying that uh, their head coach made them do uh, Oklahoma. Oh, game. yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, this they're going to fucking explode, uh, implode <laughs> fantastically the rest of this season uh, trying to be quote-unquote old school. Man, that ain't the fucking problem. It ain't, it ain't that y'all ain't did enough Oklahoma drill. <laughs> it's that your, your offensive and defensive game plans have sucked. And your players haven't played work today. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You got Ndamukong Su. You think the problem with Ndamukong Su is that he doesn't know how to win an Oklahoma drill? <laughs> really? Come on, man. That's the most cliche bullshit I've ever seen and heard of, and people still do it. We got to get tough. Let's do Oklahoma drill. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They should have just—they right. should have buried the football like Tony Sperano did with the Raiders yeah. last year. That's the, one of my favorite interim coach stories. Yeah, burying the I football just... or the Jack Del Rio gonna the well, he wasn't an interim when he did that, but the axe and the the axe. I was just about ball. to say that too. You know, all of those <laughs> crazy things you do to win usually don't result in a lot of wins. So, you know, how about coaching better? How about telling them to play better? It don't take all that to prove that you're quote-unquote, tough. <laughs> and, you know, and, and and that's really the only thing I've heard. Now, I haven't followed it closely, but all I've heard from them, we got to get tougher. We got to get tougher. We got to yeah. get tougher. So we have to use this person better. We have to utilize that person better. We have to, you know, situational football. We have to stop beating ourselves. All the other cliches, I, I want a broad range of coach, coaching cliches. If you're going to give me some, don't just give me, <laughs> we got to be tougher. You know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had that same reaction to the Texas or the Oklahoma draw. I was like, "What?" <laughs> Imagine the veterans in that on that team were like, "Okay." I, yeah, I was like, "They're gonna run this asshole out of town just as quick as they did the last one." <laughs> or, if the owner, or, if the if they had an owner that actually gave a shit about the football team, <laughs> now you know, it's some internet commenters that love that shit. Though. Oh, of course. <laughs> like, of course. I, I mean, I bet you. Uh, the real PFD commenters have yeah. a fucking field day <laughs> with, with, with that quote. I mean, seriously, nothing, nothing turns those guys on like somebody talk about Oklahoma drill. It's amazing. <laughs> that was their target. Or fines. Anytime a coach is fining players for stuff, like random stuff, you know what I mean? That get tough. Anytime a coach is going to get tough with his players, internet commenters love that shit. Love, love Eat it, it up. It's just hey, speaking of somebody that internet commenters fucking love, Cam Newton and the Panthers are going to Seattle this weekend. <laughs> um, bringing a smile to Seattle. Do they? Do they, you think uh, now? Like the Panthers continually have defied odds so far this season, and they're four and zero. And like, like we said last week, it's like. Ted Ginn Jr. is their number one wide receiver, and they still are winning games that nobody really has given them much chance to. So it, do they have a chance in Seattle, Danny? I mean, yeah, I think they do. It's, uh, you know, the Seahawks aren't exactly clicking on all cylinders or firing on all cylinders right now. And the last several times these teams have played, it's been really close. You know, last year in the playoffs, uh, Cam Chancellor pick six kind of sealed the deal. But they were driving and kind of within striking distance at that point, and that was late. So, um yeah, I mean, I think they have a chance. The way that Cam's been playing, um, the way that the Seahawks have been failing to finish, um, you know, all those kind of factor in. And, and you know, I think obviously the Seahawks are favored, and, and they're, I think, 26-2 and two over their last 28 games at home. So, obviously, I think, uh, you know, you'd think the Seahawks would be able to pull this one off, but I, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk by any means. I think, um, I think that the Panthers really do match up pretty well with Seattle, and that's always a tough a tough matchup for those teams. They played each other like five or six times over the last like three seasons. It's kind of funny, but, um, but yeah, they're, they're similar teams in a lot of ways. Yeah. How about you, Steven? What do you think? you think the Panthers have a chance in this one? I mean, a realistic chance. Not really. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. <laughs> and, 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 let, and let me explain why. Now, now, of course they have a shot. You know, you, you always have a shot, but here, here's the problem. I, I think that, they're going to get Keekly back this week, and that'll obviously help their defense. And Josh Norman has been playing well. Um, but you're actually going to have people who can cover Ted Ginn Jr. this week. <laughs> Ted Ginn. 
and and as well as Greg Olson, the tight end, who's who's you know normally the number one target for for Cam Newton, and, and they're going to have sense enough to say, look, we're going to take these wide receivers away, and now Cam, let's see what you can do now. Yeah. Okay. And 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 I think Cam is going to play his ass off, but there's only so much you can do with a turd. There's only so much polishing you can do, <laughs> and it's still going to be a turd, just a very shiny one. And that's what their wide receiver position is right now. And so if he doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to, I don't see a way that they're going to run the ball up and down the field on the Seahawks in Seattle. You know, I, I'd give them an even shot if it's in Carolina. Yeah. But you got to travel all the way to Seattle, deal with the 12th man. You got, you know, <laughs> Yeoman Johnson, their wide receiver. And it, it just, it, it's not looking good. Even with Luke Keekley back, even with, you know, the, the Delaire kid having the two sacks against the Bucks, maybe he gives them a spark pass rush wise. And listen, here's the thing that has got to, and I'm not trying to bring up bad memories, but, you know, to the Bengals last week, up until maybe the fourth quarter, man, the offense actually looked decent. Yeah, you know, I, I saw uh, Russell Wilson make some hell of a throws. Up until that point, and then all of a sudden, it's just like they were running the mud. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you got the young kid Thomas Rawls that runs for what 160 yards or something like that. Yeah, yeah, 169 yards, and 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 you're getting uh, uh, Jimmy Graham involved again early. It's just for whatever reason, man. They went three and out at the end of this. Uh, well, I can tell you the reason uh, <laughs> they couldn't block Carlos Dunlap or or Geno yeah. Geno uh, Atkins at the end of the game. You know, the offensive line kind of showed up. Their deficiency showed up. And then another time, kind of, they, they did okay blocking, but Russell was so used to having to run that he missed, uh, I, I believe it was Tyler Lockett running up yeah. the field. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you get, you know, I'm, I'm watching on All-22, and I can totally understand. Is Geno Atkins making an inside move? Of course you're going to think your guard can't beat. He can beat all games. <laughs> so, so you try to scramble a little bit, you know, and move around, and now everybody's running after you. So, uh, you know, if this was the Greg Hardy Carolina Panthers or the Charles Johnson when he's healthy Carolina Panthers, I'd be a little bit more worried about them being able to do that kind of thing to, to, and disrupt the offense. But uh, I, I don't think they can. I, I don't, you know, not this current version of the Carolina Panthers. Look, Jared Allen is not going to play. He's got some kind of pinched nerve in his back or something. He yeah. said he couldn't eat or something crazy like that this week. So Jeez. I don't think he's going to play. And, you know, I, I I told you last week, I didn't think he was going to, um, you know, make a Well, two weeks ago, that he was going to make a huge difference anyway. But uh, you're going to have to rush the pass. You're actually going to have to exploit that offensive line to beat the, to beat the uh, Seattle Seahawks, in my opinion. And I don't think they're going to be able to do that. And you're going to have to score also now. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, maybe not score 30 points, but you're going to have to be able to score about 21 at least. And I just don't see how they're going to be able to do it. <laughs> again, and I hate to keep saying the name, not really, but with Ted Ginn as your number one wide receiver, I just don't see how they're <laughs> going to get that done. You know, and I'm just looking, Carolina's got to be thankful that they got that 4-0 start because, I mean, and a little bit of it was sort of a, a, a help from the schedule-making gods at the NFL but because um, they had the bye last week, and now they're in Seattle this week. They get Philadelphia in week seven. The Colts in week A, and I know the Eagles and the Colts aren't exactly world beaters right now, but you know they're they can be above average teams when everything's going right. So that's not necessarily an easy game for the Panthers. But you get Seahawks, Eagles, Colts, and then in week nine you get the Packers before you Ooh. get a little bit of a break against the Titans in week ten. So that's it's going to be good for them to have that cushion because I mean I I just don't know you 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 look we talked about Atlanta's schedule earlier. And now you look at Carolina's schedule, and I mean, you know, I hate to say a division is locked up and it's not even Halloween yet, but I mean, that's going to be tough, you know, you know to, to do, to catch up with the Falcons at 5-0 and when their schedule's, you know, as, as, uh, as filled with bumps as it is for the Panthers, so. But we'll see. You never know what's going to happen, man. This could be the year Ted Ginn surprises us all. <laughs> Hey, I'm listen, sure. it's the gloves. It's the gloves. <laughs> Him and uh, DHB. Harry, 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 yeah. Hey, well, Bay, I'm telling you, we need an investigation. We need the feds. 
Somebody. <laughs> you know, Ted Wells. Somebody needs to investigate these gloves. Because all of a sudden, guys that have feet for hands their whole career are making these, uh, 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 you know, I wouldn't say great. I'm not going to go that far. But, but decent catches that they never could make before. So, Man, you know, who I tell knows? you what. If, if an NFL glo- receiver glove scandal ruins my summer next summer, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I had Deflate Gate. I had Ray Rice. I had the, the Saints Bounty Gate. I lockout. I mean, woo! Glove Gate. Glove Gate. I just don't even know. I don't even know, man. Who knows? <laughs> Any other? I, I think one more game that's probably worth a mention before we uh, before we call it a day here is the Monday night game. It's the Giants and Eagles. An interesting um, NFC East showdown because it's. You know, a division that really most of us probably kind of assumed that the Cowboys had the best shot to win. Now it looks like the Giants are sort of in the driver's seat. Yeah. But they're also the Giants, so you never know when they're just going to come out and shit a green ample in the middle of the field either. So <laughs> I don't know. What, you guys have thoughts on the Giants-Eagles? I don't, I don't even know what to make of the Giants, to be honest with you. Um, the fact that they're winning some of these games, beating the Bills, really didn't see that coming. <clears throat> and so, you know that Eli is capable, and he can, he, you know, at any point he can put up over 300 yards on you and have a good game. But he also throw it to the other team at times. Uh, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is is you know building off his his first his phenomenal first season with another solid year. Um, but you know, you look and they've had some injuries. No, um, who's the wide receiver? Uh, uh, Victor Cruz. Cruz. Victor There's Cruz, no yeah. Victor Cruz. Nobody really knows when he's coming back. Uh, and 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 yet they still keep winning these games somehow. Like I, I watched their field. I'm like, how did they win? At first, I was watching the film. Like, how did they lose the first couple weeks? Yeah. And I'm like, how did they? How did they win? And so they're kind of an enigma to me. And, and, you know, the Eagles won last week, and they won after uh, their quarterback threw two interceptions in the end zone at the other part of the game. I mean, that's kind of stuff usually doesn't happen. (laughs) And so, you know, uh, they finally got some mileage out of of Murray last week. Uh, It took them a while to get going still. Uh, But maybe he's now – you know, kind of catching the groove. Maybe he now understands the running lanes, running lanes in that offense. You just don't know. I will tell you this. I think their defense is playing better. The Eagles defense, I'm saying. You know, I, I wrote about Fletcher yeah. Cox this week, but he wasn't the only guy out there that, that was playing pretty damn good. Uh, Benny Logan is hard to block. Uh, a bunch of these guys, man, are, are playing better on defense. Uh, I, I will never <laughs> kind of like their defense because I don't understand it all that much. Uh, but they're making plays. And so um, that, that game is going to be very competitive, I think. It might suck for a lot of people who don't like defense <laughs> and stuff like that. But, I, you know, I don't think that this is necessarily going to be a game where a lot of, you know, either team makes a lot of mistakes, even if there's, an, a, a, you know, just a huge score or yeah. what have you. I just think going to see you know, kind of like a chess match almost between two division foes. So it'll be interesting because, you know, what – I think people are starting to come back around to Chip Kelly now after we kind of buried him at first. Yeah. Um, but what if he loses this one? Now, now he's right back to, especially if Murray's back to, you know, looking bad and Bradford doesn't have a good game and his offensive line doesn't hold up after he got rid of half the offensive line. I think he's going to have to answer a lot more questions. I think, you know, there's a lot on the line for yeah. the Eagles in this one. And, and, and as well as for the Giants, who who could? I mean, they should win the division at this point. The Cowboys have no shot. The uh, Washington has Kirk Cousins at quarterback. <laughs> it really should come down to the Eagles and the Giants, and if they win this game, that puts them in the driver's seat. So yeah. a lot to play for on both sides, I think. And so I think we're going to get both teams' best effort. Yeah, I mean, if it uh, if if the Eagles lose, Chip Kelly may may regret uh, dismissing those Maryland rumors out of hand so fast this week. Now nah, he going to USC. <laughs> 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 so 
somebody at the barbershop, sister, cousin, mama told me he's going to USC. So that's what I'm rolling with. I mean, I can't believe he would choose USC over the University of Maryland. But, you know, I'm not a college football guy. So, <laughs> well, it's been a good one. Uh, we've got a, we got a heck of a week coming up. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll call it a day here, wrap it up, get this bad boy on the web and spread it around so everybody can – Share the love for week six. <laughs> well, dudes, it's been a good one, and uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you all later. Sounds good. Sounds great. Adios.